To a pot of their own. This is episode 33. I am Allison McCake, and I am joined this week, as I am most weeks, by my lovely co hosts, Linda Surovich. Hi, Linda. Hey, Allison. And Maggie Wigan. Hi, Maggie. Hi, Allison. Uh, so, before we delve into the many, many Mets things that have happened since we last recorded, um, something terrible has happened since we recorded last that um, we wanted to discuss briefly. Um, So a podcast guest, friend of the show, friend of the baseball community generally, Jen Mac Ramos, who um, you guys may have remembered from their appearance on the show over the summer, um, writer for Baseball Prospectus, beloved member of the baseball community, was in a terrible car accident, um, which killed their husband, and they remain um, in the hospital recovering, and it's going to be a long road to recovery. Um, So at Amazing Avenue, we posted uh, the link to the GoFundMe. We've all tweeted it. Various members of the baseball community have tweeted it. Please, we we will tweet it again and we will put it in the show notes um please if you can find it in your heart to donate please do so um it was a it was so so devastating to learn about this I was just speechless when I was sitting there at work I just stared at the computer sort of numbly um just a devastating um situation so um and don't ever drink and drive folks (laughs) I know that shouldn't need to be said yeah um it shouldn't have to be said, and yet we continue to have fatalities and critical injuries from drunk drivers every day. Um, so Especially this time it. of year, too. Everybody's going to parties and things. Just please be smart. You never know. Like, one, I mean, the, the guy who did this was 22 years old, and look at how many lives he's destroyed. Yeah. His, yeah. his family, you know, so just be, please be smart. And and I do want to shout out the entire baseball community, which came together and um, already raised over, I think they broke the $60,000 mark, which is such an indicator of how, um, how beloved Jen is in this community. Um, and so I, I, I want that generosity to, to get its due, but then also like, it's going to be more, you know, Jen's had multiple surgeries, like these are critical injuries with, with months and years of rehab and, you know, they're just going to need every, everything we have to offer so that at least the finances aren't adding to just the grief of what has gone on. So, so thank you to everybody who's already pitched in and anyone who hasn't and might be able to, that would really make a difference to somebody who deserves it. Yeah. Out of this terrible tragedy, we have seen the kindness and warm-heartedness of this community, which has been one positive from all of this. So that's great. Um, Keep giving, yeah, because the family's going to need it um, during this time. So thanks, everybody. Um, But as for the Mets, um, it is currently the winter meetings. Um, the Mets have, <laughs> or as the Mets like to call it, winter break. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or as the Mets like to call winter it, winter hibernation, extended nap time. <laughs> so Mets like to call it just winter. Um, <laughs> you know, so the Mets haven't been very active. 
productive during the winter meetings. But nonetheless, there has been a lot of, um, to borrow a term from our friends Jeff and Jared, for all you kids out there, um, Mets adjacent type of news. Um, so to review really quickly, since we last recorded, um, the Mets notably lost out on Zach Wheeler to the Phillies. Uh, I don't even know if him. you can call it losing if yeah. you don't try actually try to sign the player. <laughs> like that sort of. <laughs> You know, that's just like not playing the game. Yeah, you're yeah. not participating at that point. Yeah, the Mets were non-participant in the Zach Wheeler market. Um, Zach Wheeler is he now... was out of their range or they didn't value him. What was Brody's yeah, line? He said that the price tag it, like climbed to above what the Mets valued him at. And I was like, oh, whatever. Um, this is a team that kept giving Jason Vargas starts, to be clear. Yeah. Yeah, and I can't wait for him to say the same thing about Rick Porcello because... <laughs> They pretty Blake. much are already saying that. They're yeah. kind of hinting that, like, if you're if Andy Martino is to believe, which you know we'll see. <laughs> Andy Martino's reporting has you know not been <laughs> the best in the past, but um, if he's still better sourced than I am, Lord knows. Um, and if he is to believe, be believed, then the Mets are already sort of leaking that Rick Porcello might even be too rich for their blood, which is a big yikes. <laughs> Brody saunters up to Jeremy Hefner and says, so when you say that second Tommy John didn't take, what does that <laughs> really mean? Yeah. <laughs> but then he said he wanted like somebody who goes seven innings. Um, elite yeah. performance. He, he called it, elite- didn't he? Like that's with Zach Wheeler. <laughs> he wanted yeah, somebody. That was... He wanted out of his fifth starter somebody who goes into deep deep into games who gives elite performance, but he doesn't want to pay any money for it. This like... is my kid waddling into the Transit Museum store with seventeen dollars in singles from his allowance and saying, "I want to buy a real train." Yeah, basically. <laughs> except, except my son doesn't get paid to do that yeah that's not his whole job (laughs) (laughs) it's like that um it's like the spongebob meme where where patrick star holds up his three dollars and says i have three dollars three dollars that's like the bets at all times but also i know we have to get into this but just the audacity to go up there and say this after everything that got leaked about the will ponds like, we know you're flat out lying at this point. I know, I know. Like, just quit the charade. Just quit it. Because you're just insulting a, our intelligence at this point. It's kind of a bummer slash depressing slash worrisome that, like, if Steve Cohen is taking over the team soon, we'll have more opportunity to talk about this, but, like, wouldn't he sort of be, like, pressuring them to not trash the team in the meantime? Because, like, it certainly seems like that's the mode that they're going with i yeah, i don't know i, don't know. I mean i don't know say, how people with more money than god make their decisions that's I mean, not in my purview he hasn't been pressuring them the entire rest of the time he's been minority owner so right and also wouldn't they want to try to win before they're out the door yeah you'd think that like you think that the Wilpons, who for all their flaws do fancy themselves baseball men and do like actually like the Mets uh by all accounts you'd think that they'd want to for someone who cares as much about the back pages as they do you'd think that they'd want to go out in like a blaze of glory and just like say screw it and like put go all in but they're like doing the opposite of that 
Well, the 2020 fun. Mets, we didn't hit the luxury tax. Yeah. <laughs> That's just as good as all the other possible pen and phrasings, I'm sure. Well, the will punch just constantly remind me of that line in Titanic when the captain says, I do believe you have your headlines, Mr. Ismay. Yeah. Like, the ship uh, is going down, but they got their headline. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's efficiency the flags part. fly forever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> speaking of efficiency flags, so they, they allowed their really good third starter to be signed by a division rival. Cool, cool, cool. But they did do two things. They traded two prospects for Jake Marisnik, and they signed Brad Brock. Now, I don't disapprove of either of those moves necessarily on paper, especially everyone knows I love Brad Brock because he's my Birdland boy, <laughs> Mets fan. God, what's not to love about that? And, you know, gotta love the price if you're the Mets. Um, it's, you know, it's just, it's a low-risk, potentially high-reward move. It's a good move, but, like, it can't be the only move. <laughs> it can. can and that is why we're well all can, yes. that's why we're scared um and you know like jake marisnik is fine he's like a fine baseball player but like he's the type of player that you can just sign in free agency in like february for like a few million dollars and not trade anybody not like the prospects that they gave up were not like it's not like they're trading like mauricio for him or something like that but like like why would you give up that talent for some like a a player that could be had in free agency they it's it's the classic Mets like this is the guy we want so we're just doing this now I sort of disagree on Marisnik and I'll tell first like that that pocket of free agency this year like that pocket isn't really there like the 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 Marisnik type guy who they could get in free agency in February is like Ligaris. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. it's just a really, like, I feel like this class of free agent center fielders is worse than normal, which is saying a lot. Mm-hmm. And that sort of like backup dude isn't, there aren't that many of that guy, maybe not any, but like, then the other thing is these guys are out. The, the prospects traded for him are both not even ranked in like the top 25, 30 Mets prospects and think about how bad the Mets farm system is. <laughs> think about going through the Mets farm system and finding 30 guys better than these guys. That's that to me makes me feel a little better about the whole thing. I just but. worked on, I mean, like I didn't work on the Mets prospect list itself, but I, for baseball prospectus wrote the under, tw- uh, the, the top 10 under 25, um, which yeah. involves also looking at the prospect list, obviously. So I just did that for baseball that prospectus. Great. And so obviously I am at the moment intimately familiar with that list and what it entails. <laughs> and it's not great folks. Just not so you know. great. Yeah, but what yeah. worries me now is I like Morisnik as a backup and yes. Yes. as a backup, yes. he has done pretty well. And when he starts, he gets overexposed and he should really, I mean, he's just not a starting caliber player. And yet Brody's out there today saying, well, Jeff McNeil is mostly going to play third at base. third base, which, which means, fine. yeah, which means unless they're going to go out and get another outfielder, which like, Oh, Mr. Moneybags. Okay. Um, <laughs> that means that they're playing Nimmo, Marisnik, Conforto 
And I don't like that. I don't like that one bit. No, I don't like it. I I hope because he did mention JD Davis today. He did say he still sees Davis as their left fielder. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping is the case. Is that I missed that news bit. That makes me feel a little bit better. Even though I would rather have McNeil in the outfield with Nemo in center because I just think McNeil can cover more distance than. Was the other guy? I'm I'm off of my game. Davis. Davis. <laughs> but like, okay, that yeah, McNeil is far more athletic. If they're not saying like Davis on the bench every day, Nimo, Nimo Marisnik, Conforto outfield, then I feel a little bit better. But like, yeah. I also am afraid that that is what's going to turn what it's going to turn into, and that's I don't know. That's just not a well-constructed baseball team like fix it be better it's the beginning of the offseason kind of like there's plenty of time to not suck yeah well there's still Marte rumors out there which is uh, okay I mean like, but yeah but at that point like if you if you're getting more if you got Marisnik you shouldn't be getting Marte, Marte if you want to Marte yeah. you should have gotten Marte and like left Marisnik alone I don't know like that's not a yeah that feels like a very illogical thought pattern, which means, of course, like, it's continuing mess. like again, we know the prospects they traded for Marisnik and all that. But like continuing to trade from the farm to now get a redundant thing like mm-hmm. is like it, it's very Mets to be like, we need a center fielder. We're going to get two and not fill our other holes like that. <laughs> yeah, like let's just get like all the outfielders and yeah, like they ignore go catcher with one thing and then they're not going to do like they now and, and Rick and now they've taken on um Starling Marte Starling Marte's under like under market but still like high salary and now they're going to be like we can't afford Rick Porcello it's like Jesus Christ well they can't even afford a backup catcher literally that that oh my god that tweet i do oh that broke me that broke me y'all i I wrote parts one and two of a three-part series about a backup catcher and then they went and said this shit before i wrote part three and now i'm sitting here i'm like do i write part three like i worked on this story for a year and he just tweeted it (laughs) tweeted it out out. (laughs) well i hope you included alvarez can we just for our listeners can we just i'm just gonna read this tweet so i mean brody van wagenen so this is all like what we're all discussing right now about like what brody van wagenen has said was from his press availability after the first day of the winter meetings and there were some doozies in there, but this was the dooziest of them all. Van Wagenen said that the addition of Ali Sanchez to the 40-man roster means the Mets are pretty comfortable with their catcher situation. That's a change from last month when he said the club was looking into defensively-minded backups for Wilson Ramos. This is from Tim Britton. Ali Sanchez! I almost oh, lost Sanchez. my That's goddamn mind. Ali Sanchez. He's worse, Nito. He's oh, worse. Oh my god. Oh my god. I like I saw that tweet and like you said, like it just broke me. I was like <laughs> just made like noises you, for like ten minutes. Uh, like you literally just said we need to look at our backup catcher. And uh, what changed? <sighs> oh I know what changed, but what changed? <laughs> like I mean that's what's just I, I feel like why are you why are you sitting down at the poker table and the first thing out of your mouth is, I'm broke. I don't really have any chips, so. <laughs> I don't know I why mean, I'm I here. Guess, like, I guess the, in theory you could say, oh, well, you know, they're 
you don't want to come out spending big because then people are going to demand big or something like that. Like, you know, oh, play it cool, like negotiate. I'm sorry. Do you really believe that the Mets are capable of that level of nuance? Because I don't. Well, like yesterday, I had to write up the winter meetings roundup. And my winter meetings roundup consisted of David Wright showing up and Carlos Beltran and Hensley Mullins having lunch with Terry Collins. <laughs> that was the roundup from yesterday. Meanwhile, the Nationals signed Strasburg. The Phillies announced Wheeler. They were in on the infield and market, which turned into DD. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So. <laughs> And the Braves were looking the at Braves, Braves got Donaldson. Cole, and they got Cole, ha- Cole Hamels, who is not like the Cole Hamels of yore, but, but like Cole Hamels would have been a perfectly serviceable player to have on this team. And they signed yeah. Will Smith as well. They were like the yeah. first on the on the like yep. high end reliever market when that should have been the goddamn Mets. I wanted Will Smith so much. But yes, yeah, what's it's really embarrassing. Is yeah, having lunch and and another doozy Brody quote. I don't have the tweet in front of me, but the didn't he say something like teams aren't getting worse around us? Yes. It's like, yeah, no shit, bro. Yeah. <laughs> like, come on. Like, it's well, just- he said, um, I think we like our club. Like, whoa, what a you ringing think? endorsement. Okay. Yay. Like, okay, that's good. Now. now. I mean, the thing is, they were they were a mid eighties win team last year, and some things broke well for them, and some things broke badly. And I don't there Miller. doesn't seem to be any any reason to assume that everything that broke well is going to continue to break well, and everything that broke badly is going to not break badly anymore. So really, I don't see any reason to assume that last year's mid eighty win team would do any diff would be any different this year, except now. It is less than last year's mid-80 win team because you're losing one of the better pitchers. And and I, 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 I feel like... narrative that Stroman yeah. replaced Wheeler. He didn't. He replaced Vargas. Yeah. That was he was Can you stop to. selling that lie, please? And now Brody. they're trying to re- replace Vargas with the lowest possible... I just... Uh, really, I think... Don't even say that name. I think... <laughs> I think Kevin Ploiecki more... is a free agent. <laughs> he had a he zero is. ERA last year. That's true. Um, Would have been a I great think... backup catcher. Mm. Yeah, really. I think mm. the, I think that actually the more likely scenario at this point than Walker Lockett fifth starter is actually Robert Gisellman fifth starter, which is probably better than Walker Lockett fifth starter. But then like you need to sign you more bullpen? bullpen guys. Yeah. Well, I do think. Um, if I were the Mets, I'm not. I wouldn't mind getting Gazalman down in the minors and starting again for a while because I think he's not really clicking so much as a reliever um, and that it's worth at least trying because a reliever with like a five ERA is not that valuable when there's little indication that he's somebody different than what you're seeing. So... To me, I would say Gazelman is kind of a useless piece at this point. Let's at least see if we can get him to be rotation depth. But okay. yeah. I just got a doozy Martino tweet. Are you no, ready for this? No. <laughs> Here we are. Is everybody sitting down? I am. Okay. Always. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Never not sitting the down. Mets are still Yes. The Mets are still in on Starling Marte. Would likely trade major league outfielder. 
Oh, also, come on! Yeah, also working to find a taker for Jed Lowry so they can sign a Porcello, Porcello and or Betances. There are so many again, things there. And, and, <sighs> consider the source. Consider the source. I know, consider just, the source. Just passing it along. It is absolutely on brand for the Mets to be obsessed with the luxury tax because that's just how they are. But what I think gets buried and, um, and Chris wrote about it for amazing Avenue a while ago, um, but nothing has changed. And that is that like the Mets are in a position where the luxury tax is not a big deal for them at no. all, because they will go over it by some amount. You pay tax based on the amount over which you go. So if you go over by, $10 million, you're paying taxes based on that $10 million. You're not paying taxes on your entire payroll. So if they're looking at like a couple million dollars at the most. And, and here's the kicker, because the taxes don't get big until you have multiple years running them up. They're almost guaranteed to not go over the luxury tax next year because mm-hmm. David Wright and Cespedes's salaries come off the books completely. And that's like a big old chunk of cash. So this is not about like, you know, I think it's bullshit that teams like the Red Sox are going around whining about the luxury tax anyway. And now the Astros too. Yeah. And in their case, I will say at least the amount that they are paying is more than a couple million dollars and getting bigger every year because they've been running up against it for a while. Now they've been going over the luxury tax for a while. The Mets, no shock there, have not done so. And so the the it just it drives me crazy because they're basically punting a season where they have an incredibly talented group of young players in their primes. They're punting that season for a couple million dollars and then they're I guess going to go up after it next year when they are when that core has started to I mean first of all I think you lose Cindergard and Conforto next year if I'm doing my math right which I probably am not. But like you do start to lose people. You definitely lose Stroman from that group. Like DeGrom is another year older, but still a God. So who knows? But like, seriously, this is the year you look at the way this team is constructed. Of course you go all in on this year. This is the year you do that. I, and that's like, I just to, to not go all in the right time for a one year little blip of a luxury tax. I'm sorry. That is ridiculous. That's a terrible way to run a winning baseball team. Also, are they about to trade Brandon Nimmo for a guy that's kind of like Brandon Nimmo and makes more money? Wait, who's trading Brandon Nimmo? They said they would trade a major league outfielder. I'm seriously concerned they mean Brandon Nimmo. Oh, God. Who would they mean? I'm thinking about it now. And, like, there's, I I don't think they mean Dave. Brandon Nimmo is good. So I really think they mean. Yeah, no, they really don't like Brandon Nimmo. Jake Marisnik. I mean, like, JD Davis, I can sort of see if you don't buy that whatever adjustments he made last year were, were like sustainable. I can kind of buy that, but I also don't think they'd be calling him a major league outfielder. Yeah. Oh, that. That's ridiculous. I mean, I really like at this point, you just have to hope that it's that it's all bullshit designed to distract from the fact that they're not going to do anything, because honestly, I will say not doing anything at all would definitely be better than trading Brandon Nimmo yes. for Starling Marte. Yeah, I agree. It's just, it's just stupid. 
Like, uh, why did they even bother this... showing up at the winter meetings? Like, really? Like, just go home. Please. <laughs> You're not going to do anything. You're not going to sign anybody. You're just bullshitting and lying to our faces. So please just pack it up and go home. Where are the winter meetings this year? It's in California, San Diego, right? San Diego, yeah. Yeah, no, it's, I, I, I can see why they would go. Yeah, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, but then just to go enjoy the beach. So Brody doesn't wear sweatpants, so I don't know if he has a bathing suit. Because <laughs> that was the other piece of hard-hitting news yesterday. Brody doesn't own sweatpants. Yeah, that, like was, this- <laughs> that was our Mets news yesterday. Uh, yeah, like, he seems riveting- like such a he seems like such a chill, down to earth guy, just like a normal dude you'd meet in life, and not at all a weird NBA <laughs> douchebag type. So, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like this is what's coming out of Mets camp. While the Nationals are signing Strasburg, while the Phillies are going after Didi. Like, come on, it's just embarrassing at this point. As yeah. Brody Van Wagenen said with his own mouth, business as usual. Folks. Uh-huh. The, the <laughs> most chilling words you could possibly hear as a Matt fan. asked Brody about the change in ownership and how that affected, like, how they're approaching the winter meetings. He said it was business as usual, which is just great. That's just grand. What um, you don't want to hear. I really miss... Sandy Alderson's jokes because they were they were much more um they were much bleaker like knowingly bleaker and yeah he and I just feel like he got it like yeah he had he said you know and he's like what about the outfield what outfield like (laughs) he got it I will say before we transition to talking about the ownership change and we will talk about that in depth in the second half of the show um but i will say the one speaking of sandy alderson the one thing i will say is that in the in the now sudden hit pieces that the New York media now suddenly has the courage to write about the Wilpons, um, the like former baseball officials or like former Mets guys that are qu- quoted anonymously, those quotes sound a lot like Sandy Alderson quotes. I'm just gonna yeah, they do. Yeah, it's, you know you, it. If you read it's... between the lines, it reads like something Sandy Alderson would say. I don't have knowledge that that's who it is, but uh. It seems obvious to me. And it seemed kind of shitty the way they treated him at yes. the end. Yes. So, especially shitty. since he was sick. So, so he would deserve yeah, to dunk on them. Yeah, I'd say, you know what, Sandy? Go for it, man. And dunk I do have to say, like, I was off on Monday, so I just left it on MLB Network, and somehow Mad Dog Show I came on. And um, I was like, ugh, really? But then Sandy was on with him, and he does look good. That's he looks great. He was his regular Sandy self. He, you know, I mean, I saw him good. live a yeah. couple times around the time when he was leaving the team, and he seemed to be good then too. So I'm just glad that he seems to be doing well because certainly he should be doing well. Yes. Yep. And you know, um, they were doing that thing on Twitter, um, the best like sports photos of the decade. And, um, oh, I know which one you're talking about. It's the most amazing. Yeah, and somebody I follow retweeted the one of Sandy Alderson in the crowd watching them celebrate. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, and yeah, like I still amazing. get chills thinking about that. And just, you know, what we didn't know at the time, what he was going through at the time. Yeah. Yeah, there was a lot going on. And I will also say, um, I'll, I'll make a pitch for the book. And it's, 
I'm sure there's a lot to quibble with about it because it is like basically almost an autobiography just written by somebody else. But Baseball Maverick. Oh, that's um, so good. Was such a good read. Did I you mean, read the updated version or did you read I did. The I did read the updated version. I read the version. updated too. And it's just, so it's just about Sandy Alderson specific, like specific to his time with the Mets. Um, but like with plenty of really rich background stuff, like, wow, what an interesting dude with a, like he went to Vietnam in college for a vacation to like hang out with the army. Yeah. Like, like just cause he, didn't have anything else to do for spring break. So he's like, let me see about hanging out in Vietnam. And like, I mean, look, I am an avowed dove in all regards. I don't necessarily think like war for fun is a great thing, but it's like, what a weird dude with a wild mindset. Yeah. yeah just his background is just so interesting. And just how like everything kind of came together. Like he was never a baseball. Like he obviously liked baseball, but he wasn't like, working in in the market for it no and it was just so interesting how it all came together and how he became this like celebrated gm and yeah i agree it is such a good read and like just and also the behind the scenes like if you want to really live the 2015 ride like it's definitely worth it yeah and i love the um kind of the the almost the hour by hour on the zach wheeler trade that yes. was probably oh, my favorite, so like, good. unexpected part where they're just kind of, like, breaking down everything that almost went wrong. And, yeah, that's a really good one. Yeah. And, the, yeah, just all the, um, and how he was, like, I remember after they won game one in the NLDS, um, he met Terry Collins in the hotel bar. And they just both started chuckling. They're like, how did we pull that off? <laughs> <laughs> Like, our, Amazing. like, former shortstop beat, like, the Clayton Kershaw, like, Cy Young winner, and, like, our pitcher, who was a shortstop not too long ago, like, pitched the game of his life, and they just, like, couldn't believe that that happened. It's pretty cool. It would be nice yeah. if we could do that again. But I know. Yeah. It's so much fun. Alas. Um, so we're going to take a quick break. Um, and when we get back, we'll talk about, um, the Wilpon selling the team more in depth. Um, and predictably, um, as is the MO of the show, kind of grapple with, um, the ethics of <laughs> Steve Cohen and billionaire owners in general. So stay tuned for that. And we are back. Um, so our baseball segment this week is Mets related. Um, but you know, uh, amidst all the, not the news of things not happening for the Mets. One big major thing did happen, um, which is that the Wilpons sold the team, which is not Or are in the process of selling the team, and the timeline seems to be shifting regularly. Like, yes. I'm I'm unclear as to, like, whether he's going to be, be the big kahuna, like, sometime in the coming several months, or, like, nothing for five years straight there's definitely like a lot of incoherence about that yeah. well the official timeline is five years so right they were talking, but that's for like space. the whole yeah there was some talk of like a, a some a slight majority being his sooner than that i was yeah there's yeah i think like 50 percent will be his and then it's gonna bump up to 80 percent something yeah. like that basically the like the Wilpons, what what brought this on essentially 
is obviously Fred Wilpon is getting up there in years and um, the Katz family, which is the other like branch of the family that owns uh, part of the Mets, um, doesn't get along well with Jeff Wilpon, shockingly enough. I um, cannot imagine why. <laughs> well, I am floored. Floored that someone wouldn't get along well with Jeff Wilpon. Um, and so they were kind of worried about the future of the team. Um, once Fred is no longer around, like what's going to happen because like the cats family is going to probably want out at that point. So what are we going to do? Um, so in steps, uh, mega billionaire, Steve Cohen. Um, and he was already, Who already owns some yes. tiny, tiny proportion. Yeah. He's already a minority owner of the Mets and has been for some time. Um, and he, they worked out a deal whereby, um, at the end of five years at least, um, he will be essentially the the like main owner of the Mets. And um, for right now, they they are saying that like Fred Wilpon is still basically like the head of baseball ops. Like he's still like the guy that's running the team. Um, and Steve Cohen is slowly going to get more and more of it over five years. It might end up being a fifty one percent, like we said, by next year. Um, but Fred Wilpon wants to maintain like intellectual control i guess we could say over it over the next five years at which point um steve cohen would become the head honcho um in all senses so that was big news <laughs> like what a ride that was that was crazy like first shout out yeah. tiki barber yeah, like, yeah, just say, like say what tiki the barber breaking it <laughs> the night before i was just like all the rich people sit around and talk to each other all the time. Like, you know, this just came out in like a golf game or something because that's <laughs> like, that's why, like, that's why insider trading is like the biggest problem that no one will ever do anything about because it's literally just like wealthy people tell each other shit because they can, because they're, you know, they're busy like having brunch on a Tuesday. <laughs> Well, that's what Tiki said. Like, he just said, I know people. It's not nothing, anything more than that. <laughs> like, yeah, he probably just totally overheard something <laughs> somewhere and just decided to run with it. And he was, and nobody, I don't think there was a single person that believed it. And then even when it broke, like, I remember sitting at my desk at work and be like, okay, like, what's the catch? Like, this is just some technical bullshit that they need to, like, do. But then, like, it started sinking in. I was like, wait, they're really going to be out. They're yeah. really sad. And, like, you, like it, it was, like, the real a thing. process. Like, there was a whole arc that you had, a whole emotional journey that you had to go through. For real. Through. Because, you, cause, like, there have been rumors like this like over the course of the Wilpon era like this isn't the first time that we thought that maybe like somebody would step in like there was Einhorn and there was like who was that like there was Trump at one point there was uh, who was the comedian was it Bill Maher yeah I mean Bill Maher I think is still a minority owner like a teeny tiny share I think is still Yeah. yeah but like there have been, like, various people, various, like, rich dudes over the course of the Wilpon era who, like, there were maybe rumors that they were going to, like, take over the team at some point, and it just never, like, materialized. So every time you got, like, a glimmer of hope, it was, like, never mind. Um, but, and, like, it is crazy. It is a crazy emotional journey because, you know, like, at least for me, like, so the Wilpons took over the team in, what, 2002? It was, like, 
2001, 2002, early 2000s, I believe, right? When the yeah, I think that's I think that's right. Yeah. So like, basically, my entire adult life, the Wilpons have been well, and even like, I mean, I followed the Mets before that happened, but like, I was not online. I did not know these things about like ownership and how budgets work for a baseball team. Like that wasn't part of my awareness. So as long as I've known like how baseball really works and who is controlling the, who's the puppet master, like the Wilpons have been the puppet master. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, like, I mean, when the Wilpons took over the team, like, I was, I was probably, I was pretty much, like, just growing into my own and my fandom, and so, like, I don't really remember a time before the Wilpons, as far as, like, t- uh, remember a time when I was, like, conscious of, like, who the owners even were, you know? So, it's just, like, it's kind of crazy, but, like, yeah, so, but, you know, there, there are, like, so Mets Twitter, understandably so, and I'm not begrudging <laughs> anyone for having, like, for having a party over this. Like, let's no. be real. We just talked about it. Like, the Wilpons have owned the team for as long as many of us can remember, and, like, it, it's been mostly bad. It's been mostly terrible. <laughs> so, like, understandably so. People are very excited about this because we never thought we'd see the day. Um, but and it's th- not just that they don't spend; it's that they meddle. They kick yeah. people yeah. when they're down. They badmouth people. They think they're above everything. They think they're smarter than everybody. It's not just petty. They're, petty, we, they're yes, venal. Yes. They're all like they actively can like they they refuse to trade with the Yankees just because they're the Yankees. Yep, like yeah. that's a thing that adult men who run a business. That is something that they have decided is a priority for them. And like, that's the kind of, I don't, I don't particularly want that sort of an attitude, you know, running a business that I am personally invested in. Yeah. And like, like players are playing through injuries because like Jeff is mad that he's paying Mm -hmm. the player money. Like this is the type of stuff. Yeah. That was the repeat pattern too. Pedro Martinez, Carlos Beltran, Yolanda Cespedes, David Wright, now Robinson Canel. And guess what? All of them got hurt worse. Um, All of them were fine before coming to the Mets, like you're ruining their careers by forcing them to play through through injury. And what if for what benefit? They're not playing well when they're hurt. And just because you're mad, oh, you're they paying want them them money. their salary. Yeah, Ugh. the salary that they decided they wanted to give them because you know it was the player available that they had heard of who they were willing <laughs> to pay for. The former All Star. Yeah. <laughs> They're just, they're petty, they're meddlesome, they're awful. So, like, you know, I was happy, too. Like, everyone, you know, Mets fans deserve to feel happy because their terrible owners are going to be no longer owners of the team, and there's an actual timeline to the end of this era. However, there are some factors that need to be discussed, at the very least, and considered, and weighed, that may temper our excitement somewhat. And, like... One of those things, just on a, like, baseball level, is Cheryl Ring wrote a fantastic article for Beyond the Box Score, and I highly recommend you read it. Um, The title is, Steve Cohen Probably Isn't Going to Save the Mets. Um, 
Now, I, I'm not sure like how much I agree with her final conclusion in it, but the article is incredibly well written and the evidence like that she brings forth is like is good evidence. Um, she basically makes the argument that like Cohen's like Cohen's past investments and his past spending patterns don't necessarily indicate that he's just going to like go balls to the wall with the Mets payroll necessarily. Like he sees his investments as like, you know, as swift turnaround transactions is the phrase that Cheryl uses in the piece. Basically like, you know, like get as much profit out of it as possible. Like the type of like, you know, cynical bullshit we see with a lot of ownership groups. Like, Ownership groups should treat baseball teams as, you know, like, essentially, like, public trusts and also, like, you know, labors of love. Like, they love the team, and so they're just going to pour money into it, even if it isn't always going to return because they want to see their team win. That type of owner is, like, kind of dead now in baseball. Like, we don't see that type of thing now. Which is wild because most of, like... Is we're now getting into an era where most owners, it's not just that they're like super wealthy, they're like more money than you could spend in a thousand lifetimes wealthy and like actively needing to look for things to pour money into because they can't do anything else with it. Like this is the this is the like private space travel and fifth yacht kind of wealthy. And I feel like if you cannot possibly spend money as fast as it's coming in why wouldn't you just be stupid with your baseball team? Why wouldn't you just pour as much into it as you can just for fun? Like, isn't that the whole point of owning a baseball team? Like if you want <laughs> to turn extra profit, like, I don't know, do something where you can at least like employ prison labor or something. There's your profit margins, you know? Well, was like, it Tim Britton who tweeted? <sighs> I can't find the tweet. Ugh. Where he spent, I think, $140 million on a sculpture, and that was yeah. more than they've ever spent on a free agent. Yep, yep. Yeah, wild. <laughs> the pointing true. man. The pointing man sculpture. Yep. yep. Pencil Robles, 2016. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so in, in the article, Cheryl makes a case that, like, you know, his past business transactions, he's, like... Let's be real about who Steve Cohen is. He is a hedge fund billionaire ghoul, just like many yeah. of these other dudes are, right? And he so also the- like missed out on felony yeah. so charges the by like the skin in his teeth. And I do believe, speaking of earlier, I do believe it was insider trading, but that's yes. besides the insider point. He should probably trading. stop he having also- conversations with Tiki Barber. And I think he also got like the highest fine. Like it was like $1.2 billion, billion dollar fine. And he just, yep. like, shrugged that off like it was nothing. This is how rich <laughs> yeah. this man is. Like, he had, he paid a $1.2 billion fine, oh and it was just, like, whatever for him. Because he's worth, like, he's, like, the 35th richest man in America. He would instantly, He'd be the richest baseball owner. Yeah, he would instantly become the richest baseball owner in the whole sport. So, this is how rich we're talking about here. Um, and he got many of th- those riches through dubious means. And... There is a moral component to that where, you know, on one hand, no ethical consumption under capitalism, right? Like all of these billionaire ghouls are ghouls. Like there's not a single owner who hasn't done something shady to get. You don't get that amount of money without being shady. Yeah. No one made a million dollars by working extra hard. Like that's not how that works. Period. On the other hand, like 
this is ghoulishness and illegality that we know about that is extremely public. Like, you can't just pretend you don't know it. It's out there. Like, Google is free. Like, it's it's very much out there for the world to see what a ghoul Steve Cohen is. Like, it's... And he has... And it's not just... It's not just financial crimes. He has a questionable history with women and, like, you know, not that Jeff Wilpon doesn't. Um, but, well, and know. I think that's that's just it, is I feel like... I feel like against the odds, somehow, the Mets are making... Maybe making... I mean, that's just it. Maybe making a lateral move from the Wilpons. I mean, and, and like, I, I think there's also the chance that it's not a lateral move, that... that they, he may be marginally less broken on the inside and marginally better at running a baseball team. I think for one thing is I think he will meddle less. I don't think he Probably. thinks that he's a great baseball mind. Um, huh, knock on wood, you never know. To meddle less. Right. <laughs> meddle more, um, sorry. Yeah, but like in every bar. other way, like, let's see, soulless, uh, corrupt, uh, problems with women, uh, may or may not spend as much as they are obviously capable of doing. I just... It's, it's a rough, it, it's a rough place for the Mets to be moving so quickly after the previous garbage owners. But we'll see. We'll see. Maybe it's yeah. better. The way I phrased it, not to pat myself on the shoulder here, but um, I had to do the morning news for Mason Avenue when all of this went down. So that was quite lucky you. <laughs> and um. <laughs> So the way I put it was he might be the Mets savior, but he's no saint. Yeah. So uh, yes. I think that's Basically. just yeah, how we have to look at it. like he might do good things for the Mets, but we can't have any they're like we know exactly the type of person he is. Yeah. Like Well, I think to know the kind of person that he is is also you look at teams like the Cubs and the Astros uh-huh. who are run this with this like take no prisoners, like there's no, you know, there's no ethics in baseball sort of approach that is just, I think, bad for the sport and bad for people. And also, right now, they're showing degromination days on SNY, and Pete just hit a massive home run against the Reds. Mm. Like, damn it, this team's fun. Yeah, Such a good nice. team. They deserve better. And it was Jake against Castillo, and then Ahmed Rosario. It was nothing, nothing in the seventh inning, and Ahmed Rosario just hit a home run, and then Pete hit a massive my ball. Oh, my God, you guys, I miss baseball so much. I miss it a lot. <laughs> Well, now Familia's blowing it in the bottom of the ninth when they're womp, out womp. Oh, I still miss baseball. I'm so broken. I know. Like, I would rather watch Familia blow a game than not watch a game. That's messed up. I know. It's messed up. But, well, he like, can't blow this. It's 8 to 1. The way I see it is, like, you know, Cohen is a hedge fund billionaire ghoul. But he's a hedge fund billionaire ghoul who is not in debt from a Ponzi scheme. So maybe it might be better. And if we get to the point where someday we do eat the rich, can we just eat him last? That's all I ask. (laughs) When the zombie apocalypse comes. Can we just eat him last just so the Mets can have like one goddamn championship in my lifetime? 
Well, That's... let's wait and see what his philosophies are on running the team first. Because <laughs> if he feels like he just wants to create a leaner organization, then I think we should eat him first. Yeah, true. <laughs> He's the first to go. But what I, what the dream is, like, everybody hates James Dolan, and with good reason. Like, he's the Wilpons to, like, the extreme for the Knicks. But for the Rangers, he just signs the checks, says, here you go, how much money do you want? That's you know, the dream. He hires good people, lets them handle it. Like, I swear he yeah. has no clue who's even on the team right now. He just gives them a blank check and says, do what you want, Godspeed. Like, Must that's be the ideal. Nice. Oh, it's so nice. <laughs> like, that's the ideal owner. Especially for a New York market, you should be having, like, a, opening up the checkbook. And that's what the the New York Times article that just broke, um, I think it was New York Times, right? With the James Wagner wrote. Yeah. Um, where it said, like, they're, they're barely covering, like, they're in the red for the past two years. Um, they're at the lowest threshold possible, like, legally possible to run a team um, and that they had to cover debts like uh, I forget what year it was but they they had to like take out loans to cover debts and it's like but this is all stuff we knew but to see it spelled out like this then how did how were they allowed to keep the team how did baseball how did Manfred continue to lie to our faces saying oh I've seen their finances it's all good clearly it wasn't it never was and we knew that yes. Freddie and and we knew that Freddie and Bud were 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 buddy buddies, and that's why uh-huh. Bud let him get away with stuff that they didn't let, for example, Frank McCourt get away with. Mm-hmm. But like, but like, come on, Manfred, like, don't don't be that guy. But that's you know, and this comes back to a theme that I've had before, which is that all of these folks see themselves on the same team. Yep. Uh huh. And the rest of us are on a different team, the suckers team. Uh-huh. It's yep, it's it's class solidarity above all else. Rich dudes always gonna back rich dudes. The powerful white men are always gonna back other powerful white men. And that's just how it has been and how it will be <laughs> until we change it. But like So thanks, man Fred. Yeah, like, I know in the grand scheme of things, like, nobody cares about this outside of the Mets, but if Manfred's willing to cover for the Wilpons, what else is he willing to cover? A lot. Yeah, like, this is just a pattern of behavior for him, like, just more lies, more cover-ups, like... I'll tell you what I think they're covering up, is I think they're covering up a lot more opioid abuse than they want to admit. Yeah. I think that's going to be the next big story breaking out in in baseball and i think that's something that is going to be a real bitch to contend with yep and they're letting players smoke weed now Uh uh-huh yeah that is okay here's a yay baseball you did something right you did a thing right baseball (laughs) the bare minimum yep so but i don't see how they can keep covering up the opioids i mean you have a player die yeah yeah like on the topic of, like, covering things up and on the same team, I, I want to shout Cheryl again. Cheryl's been on fire lately, Oh, folks. my God. If yes. you aren't reading Cheryl Ring's work, 
read Cheryl Ring's work. She she was formerly at Fangraphs. She's at uh, Beyond the Box Score now, but she's been on a roll lately. She always writes good mm-hmm. stuff, but just lately it's been extra good. And um, we're going to have her on the show soon, too. Yes. Look for that very soon. Next month we're going to have Cheryl Ring on the show. Super pumped for that. Um, but, yeah, so recently on the topic of, like, covering up things and, like, you know, uh, uh, sweeping things under the rug um, as a community, um, she wrote about um, Jonah Carey um, and domestic violence more broadly and how it's, you know, an epidemic in the game. But um, she wrote about how, you know, the media is, the baseball media has been complicit. So it's not just Rob Manfred. It's not just the teams. It's not, it's baseball media too has been complicit and needs to admit its role in perpetuating these things um because you know they they continue to write and we've brought this up on the show many times before they continue to write these redemption pieces and not only that but when members of their own like jonah carey um turn out to be terrible shitheads almost nothing is written about it and then you don't hear anything about it again except when cheryl ring writes about it (laughs) yeah like it's not to say no one said anything at the time when the news broke there were people who spoke out on twitter but like it was a blip it was a blip like that because they're all on the same team yep that's it yep like that day people were like wow like i never knew and like people like express their like clutched their pearls in shock like i never would have thought he would have been like Except for like, like ten women who were like, "Yeah, I was just gonna say that." Like, except for all the women who were like, "Oh yeah, I kind of saw that coming." Like, well, this is why you need to like believe them or give them a place that they can go to tell and like. And we're actually kind of seeing this. I don't know if you've been following it um, with hockey. Um, like a whole slew of abuses have come out about like coaches and things and and everybody just stayed silent because they didn't think they had anywhere to go they didn't think anybody would believe them they thought they would be punished if they reported it they thought their career would be over if they they would never play hockey if they you know told on their coach because he would make their life miserable like this is why you need to create a safe environment that if somebody feels threatened they have a place they can go they have a place to report it they have a place to to at least be heard and to not face repercussions where their career could be ruined or their life could be ruined. And so whenever somebody says, no, I never saw this coming. Yes, you could. There's always a way to go about it. You just probably didn't want to see it coming. Yeah. Yeah. No argument here. You were, yeah, you were blind to it. That's, (laughs) that's the answer is that you never think it's going to be your buddy. Mm-hmm. But you're not looking for, you're not seeing the signs that are obvious to other people because you're blinded by your bias. Yeah, and this is why we need to have, so have more um, diversity. Yep. Yeah. Which, which would help a lot. So, yep. Continuing to just have, you know, powerful men covering up for other powerful men for the most part. Um and yeah, until we change it, it's going to keep happening. Uh, <laughs> so, but hopefully it'll happen while the Mets are, you know, contending with more money and things like that. 
I do think it's better for the, I mean, it's better for the sport in general if there are more teams that are all in. And like, if the Mets can do that, I think that's a good thing for baseball. I think it'll make, yeah, I think it'll just make for a better environment. I think it'll make for a really fun New York. What if the Mets expressed their competition with the Yankees by trying to be better than them and not just, you know, crossing their arms and refusing to pick up the phone when they call? Like, what if, just what if like- that? trying to win the back pages yeah and not just like scheduling their announcements around like big yankee games or like making cespedes play against the yankees and hurt himself more like that's how the mets like that be something their their rivalry with the yankees how about we just outspend them like good lord james loney tweeted that the mets should be getting Gary cole I mean, come on. <laughs> Called out by James Loney. <laughs> I mean, yeah, to be fair, what is James Loney doing this, <laughs> doing right now, if not sitting online and calling people out? <laughs> well, I, for one, appreciate James yes. Loney at least doing that. <laughs> as do I. Yes. yes. <laughs> he um. tried. <laughs> On that note, we will take one more break, and when we come back, we will do walk-off wins like we do every week, so stay tuned. And we are back. It is time to end the show with walk-off wins like we do every week, where each of us talks about what is making us happy this week, baseball-related or otherwise. Linda, what is your walk-off win for this week? Well, it's been kind of hard, because, like, you know, all this has been bringing me down. But, you know, just seeing the news break that like Pete Alonso and Jacob DeGrom were voted to like the first like all MLB team. Um like you like, you know, we we've had a couple months now with the season over now just, you know, having it on again because I will never not watch baseball. Um but just how how blessed we really were this year. It just kind of brings it home. That we did have like these two generational towns, and we did see one of like the well, we definitely saw the best rookie season in history. Well, maybe not the best, but one of the best. And Jacob DeGrom like won back to back Cy Youngs, he's only the sixth person to do that. And just to see those stats like in front of you in black and white again, um, we are incredibly lucky for all our complaints about this team um you know i I will be forever be grateful that we got to witness two very special seasons by two very special people and that make me at least proud to be a met fan even when it's very hard to be one most days yeah even even with the mets not spending it seems this entire offseason, we at least know that we will be able to watch Pete and Jake next year, if nothing else. Yes. I mean, even though, you know, even that kind of frustrates me, it's like, you should be building around them, but I won't. This is supposed to be a happy segment. <laughs> I'll leave that for another day, but I do. I'm very thankful for those two to at least bring me a little bit of joy. Maggie, mm. what is your walk-off win for this week? Um, My walk-off win was just a really lovely uh, gathering I had at my house. I'm not like a a hosting type person generally, but like there it had been it had been a little longer than usual since I'd seen my dad and I had to head and hung out with my dad and my sister together. And then also one of my dad's oldest friends who was just this 
like amazing, interesting woman who is so funny and sweet. And I, you know, we, we talk like on Facebook all the time. And so I just emailed everyone. I was like, come over, we'll order some pizza. And we just like the whole gang of us plus the kids spent, you know, the whole afternoon, like noon to four or something, just sitting around like eating pizza and just like talking about life. And the kids were really sweet and adorable. It was just like a wonderful way to spend an afternoon. And it was one of those things that I hadn't been sure like that I wanted to have a bunch of people over. Like, would I be able to find a day for it? Of course, I remembered that that the two older adults in this situation were retired with no small children. So they were free <laughs> all the time. Um, but I just like went ahead and did it. And it was a it was just a fantastic day and I would I would like to inspire our listeners like if there is some like social connection that you've been thinking about making like go ahead and just put it out there and like see what happens because it could be wonderful and you can also order pizza pizza <laughs> yeah any time to get pizza just putting that out there pizza my walk off win is kind of of a similar vein to Maggie's, which was that I had just like a lovely small gathering of folks um, over the weekend this past weekend. And it was just quite lovely um, and in like kind of an unexpected way. Um, so and I had never heard of this app before, but one of my um, one of the people in my fellowship cohort, she lives in Philadelphia um, and she had um, a part a gathering through uh, the group muse app. Now, if you haven't heard of Group Muse, you are not alone because I hadn't before this day. Um, but basically, the idea behind Group Muse is that you can like kind of commission a local musician to come to your party and just oh, play for you. Um, and obviously, like during the party, you collect tips to pay the musician. The musician's already like kind of paid through the app, but then you can also like collect tips um, at the party for all the people that are there and like the idea of group muse is to bring people together through music. So like you, you host a group muse party. You don't know everyone that shows up to it because they sign up on the app and are like, that musician sounds interesting. I'd like to go to that group muse party, please. And so I, I was the only person I believe off the top of my head. Yes. I was the only person that the host actually knew. So I showed up because she just kind of texted me like, hey, I'm doing this thing. Do you want to come? And I didn't know about group meetings ahead of time. And I was like, yeah, sounds like sounds kind of cool. I'm in. So I drove all the way down to Philadelphia from North Jersey um, on a Saturday night. Um, and we had a uh, cello violin duo and they were wonderful. They were fabulous. They played everything from classical, Beethoven, Bach, Mozart, to um, they did a cover of Smooth Criminal by Michael Jackson. Um, ah. And that the that the violinist arranged himself because he's also a composer. Um, and they did Yesterday by the Beatles. They did a whole variety of types of music and it, they were so good and so fun. And they, it was like it was it was more than just like background music. Like we were sitting there paying attention. It wasn't like we were partying and they were playing in the background like it was a concert. And they like gave little introductions to each of the pieces that they were doing. And it was just like an intimate concert with just like seven of us in the room that didn't know each other before and then came out as friends. It was really oh. awesome. And I actually at the at the party, so like I the only person I knew going in was the host. But randomly, just by serendipity, one of the people that showed up at the party 
was someone who I had taken a college class with at my time at UD. And she was like, you look really familiar. Did you go to University of Delaware? Did you take immunology with David Usher? And I was like, yes. (laughs) And so it was crazy. I hadn't seen this girl since 2012. And she just randomly was at this party. So that was nuts too. So that is so cool. <laughs> it was such a cool night. Like, so yeah, Group Muse. If you guys have never heard of Group Muse, like, look into it. It, it was really cool. I had such a good time. Um, and I wish I had my phone in front of me, but I don't. Ugh. Um, but I will tweet out um, either through the a pod of their own account or my personal account. The I do have the business card of the um, duet that played, um, the duo that played at the Group Muse party. Um, and I would like to plug their work because they were great. So, yeah, that's my walk-off win. It was quite nice. That sounds really cool. Yeah. Like, what an interesting idea. I know, right? People are always coming up with crazy ideas for apps, and I'm just not, I'm not keeping up with these these (laughs) Gen Z apps. (laughs) No, I'm a boomer. You're not a Snapchatter? (laughs) I do have Snapchat. That's true. But I I only Snapchat, like, three people, so. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, yeah. So, Group Muse, check it out. Um, Yeah, so that's the show this week. Um, We will um, be back next week. So, we're not doing, we're doing kind of a wonky schedule for the weeks ahead, just heads up to listeners. Um, Next week, we will be back um, and we will be doing a very special episode next week. Um, We're going to be doing an entire episode dedicated to Joan Payson uh, because that was the request of Ellen, our um, listener who won the um, request a topic, an episode topic prize at our um, Dollars for Dingers fundraiser. So we're finally getting around to doing that. Ellen, we promise. And we love the idea. We're so excited. It was really like the best idea ever. It was. She gave us such a good topic, but then. So proud of our listeners. I know, but then, like, stupid stuff kept happening. <laughs> I know. Stuff kept happening that we had to cover. Um, but next week, we are finally going to do our our entire episode dedicated to Joan Payson, pi- a pioneer legend in Mets lore that is not discussed enough. Um, so, yeah, we're really excited to do that. And then we're going to take a couple of weeks off for the holidays uh, because uh, the three of our schedules did not align at any point during the holiday season, uh, shockingly enough, because, you know, things happen, family stuff, etc. Um, and so we will be back after that in the new year with some awesome guests lined up. Like we mentioned, we're going to have Cheryl on the pod. We're going to hopefully have Kate Feldman on the pod to talk about TV and baseball and whatever else floats our boat that week. Um, so we're really excited about the upcoming guests we have for the month of January. So that's kind of a, a pod of their own preview for the pre and post-holiday season so um peace out and we will see you guys next week in the meantime you can check us out on amazingavenue.com we've been (laughs) as maggie alluded to we've been doing our let's find the mets insert thing here that they need series that the mets are almost assuredly not going to listen to but you should read it anyway find the mets a credit card (laughs) (laughs) right Um, a blank check We've been doing that. We've been having daily uh, recap coverage of each day of the winter meetings. Each uh, one of our staff is writing a like kind of a roundup of all of the Mets related news for each day of the winter meetings. We're also doing it in podcast form um, on the uh, it's on the same feed as our show, but it's I believe it's going to be under from complex to Queens um, are doing each day. Um, Two, two or three of uh, us staff are going to be doing a roundup in podcast form. I think I'm going on tomorrow. 
Um, so that's happening both in written form and in podcast form on AmazingAvenue.com. All of the winter meetings coverage you could possibly want, which is far, you know, outweighing what the Mets are actually doing at the winter meetings. Um, you can follow Amazing Avenue on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Amazing Avenue. You can follow the show on Twitter at A Pod of Their Own. You can follow each of us on Twitter. I am at Petite PhD. Where are you, Linda? At Linda Servich. And you, Maggie? At Maggie162. You can also subscribe to Amazing Avenue Audio on iTunes, Stitcher, uh, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. Please rate and review the show. It really helps people find it. Uh, the intro and outro music to this podcast is by Bunga. Let's go Mets. And don't forget, there is no crying in podcasting.